Greetings, fellow podcast travelers. It was the great Archimedes. Remember him? Uh, he worked in uh, HR for a while. Then he transferred over to engineering. You remember Archimedes. He was a nice guy, super popular, told sort of inappropriate jokes. But it was the great Archimedes who said, give me a lever and I will move the world. And that is what we want to talk about today. Because you're about to embark on a three-part podcast series. And the topic of this three-part podcast series is not Archimedes, although kind of it is. The topic of this three-part podcast series are the three big changes you can engage to ensure your organization will successfully improve. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. This is Todd, uh, your helper on listening to podcasts through your telephone or on your computer or however you listen to them. Probably on your phone. Don't most people listen on their phone? I, I mean, I, get, I, I don't really know how people listen. I know how I listen to podcasts, and I guess that makes a difference. Holy guacamole. Did announcing Project X last week burn up my little email box? Oh, my goodness. Are you guys really, truly that excited about this book that um, Dr. Decker and I wrote? Because it sounds like you are. People are really being kind of, uh, well, first of all, they're super uh, complimentary. I mean, thank you. Uh, it's a little bit much, but uh, gushy. But uh, thanks for, for saying it. It's. I think you're going to find this book interesting. It's It's good. And I'm, I really am. I, I probably didn't say it enough last week, but I really was pleased to have the opportunity to do this. And we did have a really good time. I mean, uh, in spite of it all, it was uh, kind of a lot of laughs and, and lots of comments. And I don't know. It's it's a really interesting book. It's much again. It's much more applied than it has been in the past. But I kind of can't wait for you to get a copy of it. So, uh, and I promise you, very soon, I will schedule a podcast and we'll talk about it, um, the two of us. And you can get some behind the scenes, some uh, outtakes of the book. There, I mean, there are, books aren't really like that, but we'll act like they are. Other and the other thing that's interesting. Thank you very much. Gracias muchos. Um, is how uh, appreciative people are around these this little series we're running here on the three changes. I uh, greatly appreciate your support, and I'm glad that you find these interesting. I think, although I don't know this, but I'm guessing, I think you're going to even find it more interesting as we progress today. Because today's going to give us, uh, well, uh, I mean, it's the third one. So there's going to be a lot going on here. But today will, I think today kind of makes everything else make sense. Now, remember, I said these were kind of not in order, but they needed each other. There was a foundation. There's kind of a mid-level. This one feels to me at least like it's kind of the closer. So we'll see if that works. L let me just jump right into it because that will make it even make more sense to you. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of it. Tell your friends. I'm, uh, it's, you're so welcome here. I'm glad you're here. Have fun. Get excited about Project X, because it's coming whether you want it to or not. And listen carefully to the third lever of change that your organization is going to need to think about 
in order to ensuring successful diffusion of these new ideas. Here we go. Okay, so let's recap so far what we've talked about in the last two uh, times we hung out together. Ready? The first lever of change is change how your organization defines what it wants. So if you remember this discussion, it's the idea of the new definition of safety. Safety is not the absence of accidents. Safety is the presence of capacity. Safety doesn't exist to stop things from going wrong. Safety exists to ensure things go well. I mean, that idea. And that shift and it's a big shift, that paradigm shift, that shift in the very nature of how you think about safety is primary and foundational to actually creating success. You, you've you got to change years and years and years of old thinking, and it's hard, but you can do it in order to introduce new thinking. I mean, you just have to. It's if I promise you, if I can think of an easier way to do it, I would completely have told you. I would have blabbed it out like crazy. That was the first lever. Then last week, we talked about the second lever, and the second lever is you have to change how your organization learns from itself and from other organizations. The quick answer here is that because you have a new definition for safety, the old methods you've used to understand and learn about safety are no longer complete enough to actually cover this new definition because you've changed from identifying deficiencies to actually assuring the validation and verification of controls, uh, of, of systems, processes, and practices that assure the work will be done right. So, of course... The old learning mechanisms don't work because they're the old learning mechanisms. They're great for learning about the old definition, but they're not enough for learning about the new definition. And so what you have to do is, ready, cut to the chase, change the way you investigate. You have to investigate differently. And if you investigate differently, if you learn differently, then the automatic response, the outcome to that is different learning products. And different learning products allow you to do different analysis, which allows you to come up with much different corrective actions. And suddenly, things like using counterfactuals, workers failed to follow procedure, leadership failed to provide adequate levels of supervision, you, you know the counterfactuals. Instead of investigating things that didn't happen, you actually get to investigate things that did happen. And you investigate in order to learn... And so you're learning and improving as a deliberate strategy and is really the first step to creating this operational excellence cycle. And we talked about that a ton last week. That was last week's conversation. Now let's introduce the third and final lever. And I'll bet you can guess what it is. I mean, because it's, it's without a doubt the most obvious one of all, especially after talking about lever one and lever two. The third lever is you have to change the way your organization responds to failure and to success. So the fifth principle of human and organizational performance is how leaders respond matters. And that is not just some little throwaway principle. There's only five, unless your companies that added two more or three more or four more. But there's only five basic ones. 
And what's interesting is that last principle, how leaders respond matters, in essence, is everything. Because leaders really have a choice when something happens. This is a deliberate strategy for how the organization will move forward. And you've heard me say this a million times, but when something happens, leaders can choose to either blame and punish or learn and improve, but they don't get to do both. And so what you have here is an entire paradigm shift towards understanding that the leader's response to an event is going to color directly and influence directly how the organization moves forward from that event. And if the leader chooses to blame, then what you have is a pretty good understanding that you're going to determine culpability and probably not improve. You're going to be emotionally satisfied because you get to punish the guilty, but you're not going to be operationally better because you didn't take this data and put it back into the operational learning in order to create improvements in the system structures, practices, and processes that exist in your workplace. If your leaders choose to learn above and beyond blame, so they choose to learn, that also will directly color the way the organization moves forward. And instead of determining guilt and culpability, blaming the bad guy, the emotional satisfaction of punishing the guilty, what you're going to do is actually take that information and shift your thinking from who failed to what failed. And then once you determine that what failed part of this equation, then that allows you almost unfeathered access, untethered is probably a better word, untethered access to operational improvement at virtually every level, every level of the organization. But it's all contingent upon understanding that this change has to happen. And the very best ways to get the organization to respond differently is to first and foremost ask them to respond differently. So this is something that personally in my career we struggled with really early. And I'd sort of forgotten about this struggle until a couple of weeks ago when I was talking to another organization that was talking about this very topic. How can they get their leaders to respond differently? And one of the people on the conversation we were having said to me, is there a way that we can create a little card or can, can we just act them into being better or different, right? Which is better. And I thought, holy cow, that's exactly what we did at my facility. So we created a little card, and we got it out there. And I think the card, if you're interested in this, there's tons of them out there. You can look for them on the web. They, they really are everywhere. But where I noted it was in the book Pre-Accident Investigations, and it's kind of later in that book. I don't remember exactly where it was because it's been a long time since I saw that book. But basically, we put out five questions leaders should ask. And we gave that as a job aid. And we said when something happens, a near miss, close call, good catch, an actual event, an accident, an operational curiosity, operational upset, anything. When something happens, ask these questions in this order. 
And what's interesting is the first question we ask is, is the facility safe and stable? Are the people okay? That's a really good first question, right? And then the next question, if memory serves me, was tell me the story of what happened. That's a really good question because that force functions whoever's doing this report out to actually give the information-rich, the context-rich narrative of what happens. That's going to include more than just the facts, ma'am. Because in the old days, our reporting criteria was pretty much just the facts, ma'am, right? If you remember that show, and I don't because I'm not old enough, but there was a show where they Sergeant Joe Friday would say just the facts, ma'am, right? And so we'd say a truck white in color, traveling at a high rate of speed, you know, it read like a police report. And what was missing from that was actually all the, the very complex details, the context is the word we use for that, that actually created the local rationale, why people were thinking what they were thinking, which leads to why they did what they were doing. And it actually gives you a much deeper much completer understand, much more complete understanding. I can't talk anymore. Much more complete understanding of, of what happened. Now, again, we've talked about this all along in all three sessions, that one of the ways to get different outcomes is to actually put in different inputs. And so this little card, what it did was actually gave people a frame of reference for the type of questions that we thought would better serve them as leaders. And what's interesting is I didn't know when we put that card out if it would work or not. I mean, it's a good idea. It worked great. But what's more amazing is they only needed the card for a short while. They didn't carry the card with them for the rest of their life. Once they kind of figured out that what you want is this context-rich information, then leaders started to ask for context-rich information. And one of the more powerful things that happened was that our leaders started asking for different information, which meant we went out and learned different things in order to address the questions that our leaders were asking. And we should never underestimate the power, and I mean this, never underestimate the power, that one of the ways to get the organization to be different is to have the leadership ask different questions. Now, you know this because you've heard it a million times, but what your boss cares about is what you do. That's absolutely true. There's a deep-seated psychological incentive around that very idea. One of the ways to get the organization to do different things is to get the boss interested in caring about different things. And when you can get the boss interested in sort of switching up that question, where once they would ask, who screwed up and why? Now, what we want the bosses to ask is, how did this happen? How did we get into a position where the conditions were just the way they were to create the outcome we got? And that shift from who failed to what failed, that shift is a gigantic change that self-reinforces and actually creates the environment we desire and need in order for this change to be most successful. But to do that, you have to be really obvious and deliberate. 
Tell leaders why you want them to ask different questions. Ask them to help create a successful environment for this change. Let them know that accountability for this paradigm shift is on them. And then talk about those accountabilities before you need to. That actually engages leadership, not in just being the beneficiaries of this change, but much richer and much more importantly, they get to be the stewards of this change. And that ownership, that stewardship that leaders feel, that, my friends, and that alone is what drives things like safety culture. The crazy thing is, of the three levers we talked about, the only one that actually dramatically impacts safety culture in a palpable, knowable, touchable, feelable, measurable, and understandable way is the third one. You would think the first one would totally upset the apple cart. We've redefined safety, but not so much. You would think the second one, change investigations and learning protocols, well, you would think that would change the culture as well. But what's weird about that is that learning doesn't touch every worker. It, it, the learning outcomes touch every worker, but not every worker is involved with learning. Even though we're using learning teams and we're expanding and understanding that the workers are, in fact, a resource and they're problem solvers, not problems to be fixed. The one thing that has dramatic impact from the top to the bottom of the organization is that leader response. And the most powerful way to influence culture is to actually get the leaders to think about this problem and their response to this problem as a deliberate strategy. So I can't say this enough, and I probably should directly thank International Paper, that company, because one of the things that International Paper does is they talk about deliberate improvement strategies for leaders. Now, I love improvement strategies. That's great. But the simple addition of the word deliberate kind of notches that up a level and really changes the way you think about it. We want leaders to deliberately think about how they respond to an event. And ultimately, the test we want them to pass is when something happens, we want them deliberately to respond in a way that defaults at improvement. So the worst possible outcome of the leader's response is we improve. That's the default. The best possible outcome is we improve, we blossom, we grow, and it becomes an unstoppable snowball of greatness, right? That's the best case scenario. But the worst case scenario, the worst possible thing that could happen is we get smarter. And that, my friends, ultimately, is why this third lever makes such a difference. But this third lever is not something that you would just ask leaders to be different. Because we talk about this all the time. You're not going to make safety better by asking workers to be safer, right? Care more, try harder, be more safe. You're not going to make leaders better by asking them to be better leaders. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. You have to create an environment and give them the resources, time, energy, influence, room to practice, where they can understand what this change means for them 
and how this change will manifest itself, how this is going to look when they lead the organization in a different way. Now, it's not a gigantic shift. I mean, it's not going to be like earth-shattering shift, but it is actually asking them to lead in a different way. And the only way that'll be successful, the only way we'll ever make that successful is by making sure that we've put leaders in a position where they can actually succeed in trying these new ideas. And once they start having success with these new ideas, well, then it'll sort of self-perpetuate. Then it'll kind of move on its own. But we have to create the space, read that as actual space, intellectual space, psychological space, emotional space, for them to try these new ideas, see what happens, adapt, adjust, and then actually try it again better than they did the first time. There's a lot to be said about the third lever of change. Change how your organization responds to failure and success. And I guess I shouldn't gloss over the last part of that because this is just as powerful in responding to normal work as it is responding to some kind of operational upset. If we move leaders from the position where they go to the field to find deficiency, which is generally what we've told leaders we need them to do, and put them in this new position where they go to the field to reinforce and assure effectiveness, that change will change the very fundamental interface that the leader has with the workers. If they don't go out to find something wrong, but in fact go out to reinforce something right, then that will have the biggest change of all, which is going to change the conversations, which is going to change what leaders learn, which will make them feel more comfortable talking to the work, which will make the workers more comfortable talking to them, which will ultimately get us into an entirely new level of improvement. And the organizations that have really gotten good at doing this have gotten good because their leaders have understood that change. What does this look like and how do I respond differently? And knowing that change, that's everything. That is ultimately the third and probably most difficult. Is that the right word? Uh, It's the one that's going to offer the most opportunity to challenge you. And it's the one that's going to take some attention and time, but it's the one that has an incredibly high payoff. If you change how the organization responds to both failure and success, then what happens is, is you're going to get different responses. Well, that's obvious as the nose on your face, but it also means that those different responses are going to elicit this different outcome from the operations. It's a great and important idea. Not to be underestimated, not to be shirked off. That fifth principle matters. And it matters a ton. Because you can tell the most about an organization and its culture, not by looking at its workforce, but by looking at its leadership. Because what leaders are interested in is what the workforce is going to do. And so one great way to do that is to identify what interests the leaders. And once you've identified that, that's when you can tweak and adjust and actually help them understand 
how powerful their role is in making the world a better place. Dun da da! That is all three. You live through it. What do you think? I'm so proud of you right now. I'm just bubbling up with joy. You live through all three levers. You you made it through the three big change strategies that have to exist. First, change how your organization defines what it wants. Secondly, change how you learn from yourself and other organizations. And thirdly, change how your organization responds to failure and success. Those are the three components that come up over and over and over and over and over again. When you talk to organizations who are very successful in changing their overall safety and reliability picture, but also changing things like their operational excellence, changing the way they interface with clients, changing the way they do work globally. These three things are vital and they always show up and they almost always show up in the order we gave them in. And I wish I'd have known this 30 years ago because 30 years ago, I think I'd have done some things differently, but you know, I didn't know it 30 years ago. It took me 30 years to figure it out. What it took was a lot of time talking to people like you. This is the part that I think you play in this and you may not know you play it, but you actually are a huge part of this information because these are the stories you tell. These are the learnings that you take away from the work you do. This is the reason you go in and do the work you do. And we could never have come up with this. It just wouldn't have happened if we hadn't talked to each other and built a community where we understood that if we had to pick some things to immediately pay attention to, if we had to pick some rocks to move, these would be the three rocks we'd pick pretty early. We'd pick them and we'd pick them in that order. We absolutely would change how the organization defines what it wants. Safety is not the absence of accidents. Safety is the presence of capacity. Safety doesn't stop things from going wrong. Safety assures things go well. We would change the way the organization learns from itself and from other organizations. We do investigations so differently had we known that changing investigations had such a far reach into organization operations. We would have changed that years ago. And then finally, the third is change how the organization responds to both failure and success. We've always known, the fifth principle has always told us that how leaders respond matters. What we didn't realize is that how leaders respond actually deliberately sets the course for what's going to happen next in the organization. It's an awesome responsibility, and you're a huge part of that. Thank you for taking the time to listen, but more importantly, thanks for taking the time to actually be a part of this discussion, to be a part of this feedback, because these three changes are everything. In fact, these three changes are the three levers that give us the most ability to change the world. And that, my friends, is why we're here. So learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be good to each other. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. <music>